Yeah, I, I'm Jackson. I have zero experience with carpentry. I studied at a school for historic preservation in Boston and learned about how things were built, you know, 250 years ago. There's a long way to go. I'm nowhere near the top. Not that I thought I was, but there's so much more to do out there. Welcome back to the Passion for Craft podcast. Today, we are going to be talking about some questions that we have received from you. So the uh, the whole format today is we're just answering questions. And by we, these guys are going to be answering some so, questions. I mean, what have we been, what are we, 16, 20 episodes in? 15, yeah, 16, 20 episodes uh, in. Yeah, so we've been doing this long enough that we've that you guys are, you know, contributing to talking and on Patreon and asking questions. And so uh, I think it's time to, you know, answer some questions because they're they tend to fall into categories and it's kind of the same kind of things. Yeah, and I think if you're sitting there and you're like, I've been asking a question since episode two and you guys won't answer me. <laughs> uh, I think it's, it's a good question, um, but I think we're trying to figure out the best medium in which to answer them. It's kind of hard to do a sides and answer a question, or maybe uh, the question you ask isn't for a full podcast, but uh, hopefully we get to answer a lot of those questions here today. Yeah, and I've got the iPad pulled up right here. We'll just go through these in order. So I did a video asking for questions in the comments underneath. We got tons of great questions. On Patreon, you did a video. Yeah, yeah on Patreon. And we had, we had one from Discord that was after the video. So I think I start with this one, then we move to the uh, Patreon. That's great. It says, this one is for Richard. I'm planning on putting some Nickel Gap Windsor 1, of course, on my ceiling this summer. I thought it might make the most sense to start at the seam in the ceiling where the angle is at the left. There's a picture here. I plan on ripping the back of the first piece so that I can open the board like a book so that the seam is covered completely and then add the boards to the left and right as I work towards the walls on the left and right. The seam is very uneven, although it is apparent in the attached photo. Thoughts? So basically he's got uh, you know, a vaulted ceiling that does this. It's not a 90. Mm -hmm. And right on the seam he wants to start installing his boards, which I think is a great location to do it because you could kind of take one board and split it so you have kind of consistency in the pattern of the, the tongue and groove. Or you could just put two right next to each other. Then you go out from there and whatever ends up at the end is kind of, you know, at, at the end of the wall. Right. He's saying the seam is like very uneven. And I noticed this a lot on vaulted ceilings. I don't know if it's the framing or the drywall or what, but if you look at a vaulted ceiling where the, you know, the, the horizontal ceiling meets like the slope, yeah, you'll see a lot of waviness in it. So what I've done, I've done this situation before. Uh, I just kind of float the back out with shims and make that waviness like disappear. Hmm. So instead of trying to follow that waviness, you basically all together eliminate it by floating the back out with shims. So to answer that question, that's exactly what I would do. I know it's kind of very visual, but we'll have a thing up on the screen. Um, thoughts on that one? anything or that I pretty much answer I think it. you nailed it. Okay. I don't know how to answer that question. So I thank you. All right. So we'll go through these. We'll just start in order. First one is from, uh, Dan Parrish, Parrish. Uh, just kidding. That's, that's, <laughs> that's Dan Parrish. Um, Millworks by design out in Los Angeles. We had him on super motivating of one of my favorite episodes. Um, by far we did two episodes with him. Right, who's your least favorite? Uh, there was this guy, Brent Hole, that came on here. <laughs> <laughs> um, Cute. His, <laughs> uh, has Richard hired 
a couple more carpenters. So during that episode, I kind of got all fired up and like, oh man, I want to, you know, be the next Dan Parrish and <laughs> be, you know, have hire all these guys and not all these guys, but he motivated me to want to expand my company. Mm-hmm. So I went through like a week, like a whirlwind of like, man, I got to do this. Yeah. And like, I even put like a video out, we're hiring and had several people interested. And one guy really worked out. Um, so to answer the question, I haven't hired a couple more carpenters. I hired one more guy. And just having that third guy has been a game changer. Hmm. Like a tremendous, we're able to accomplish so much more just with one guy. And this guy is like a secret weapon. He's a master carpenter. His name's Tom Johnson. He's been a trim carpenter for 35 years. And he's, it's such a good experience because he mentors me and just tells me like, like I'll be doing something. He'll be like, no, no, like you want to do it this way. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, thank you for that. Yeah. He's willing to teach. And so to answer the question, Dan, I'd have started and I've hired one. So I I want to, uh, just hit pause on this one because I think another episode we're going to spend on what Richard does next. (laughs) (laughs) So we're going to dive into Richard's business and talk about that kind of stuff. But, uh, all up in his business. Yeah. Dan (laughs) Parrish was the start for that, right? That whole episode was a challenge for you. And so let's, let's talk about that because that's, I think something a lot of guys can learn from. Um, obviously he's got a huge following. A lot of guys look at your stuff um, you're really evolving as a businessman and a craftsman in this whole process. And so I think there's a lot we can learn from there. Yeah. Yeah. And it's going to be a fun journey. And I was motivated by Dan, motivated by you that whole day. We were, you know, we went out and got barbecue and just talked driving around in the truck. And I was like, man, um, but yeah, we'll hit pause on that. Cause we can, we can dig into that one a little bit deeper. Get excited to hear more in a future episode. Yeah. Next or question. past episode. that's true twilight zone (laughs) next question is from joel stilson i'd like to see slash hear some thoughts on exterior window and door trim for cold climates i'm located in upstate new york everyone here as i'm sure as much of the country goes with vinyl siding and aluminum flashing and wrapping maybe thoughts on a good wood species to use here we have plentiful white and red oak poplar and pine what do you think about that one brent about wood species for exterior before you dive in i've actually been curious about this and i know we're taught we've we've got one in the works a build science uh then versus now video or podcast that we want to talk about both of those things but i've also been curious about this exact thing so uh, joel asked this right joel yes so when joel asked i was like joel he gets it um but (laughs) my god i I was very curious uh (laughs) because you know, a lot of things that you've developed and uh, are done here in uh, Fort Worth, but then also at the same time, you learned most of the things you know in Boston. Uh, so like, you know, it gets chilly up there, I've heard. Um, and then, but then we're not, like when we were interviewing um, Eric Ani, um, he is in like Coldsville, USA. Like it, the places that he works at are frigid so is there like an element of build technology or like things that we need to lean into more up north north like in the the great winter zone yeah the 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 quick answer is it doesn't matter 
Okay, whether it's cold climate or hot climate, you know, wood is wood is going to perform. Okay, and the, his examples of using vinyl and aluminum is just cheap building. It isn't a build science issue. Okay, so the the build science piece is is building a house that is is long lasting and that's energy efficient, efficient. right? And so that it's going to block, uh, it's going to keep water out and it's going to keep air infiltration out, right? So. Air infiltration is going to be accomplished by your sheathing on your outside and then your sealing of the windows and doors in those openings. Is right? that not what he's talking about with the aluminum sidings? Or? No, because that's outside. That's that's your second layer, right? So you've got your sheathing and then you've got whatever you're going to put your, you know, clad your house in. So, uh, so you just break those two down for me as a dumb guy. So you got framing, right? Yep. And then you'll have some kind of sheathing board, right? And a sheath- oh, like drywall. Is nope. that what you're talking about? Nope. Exterior. Okay. Talking about the exterior frame. You have a two by four wall on uh-huh. the outside. Then keep going outside. Yeah. You've got your sheathing. Okay, which is the the green board they're putting up on buildings. It's the it's okay. the tie. They put is tie that primarily wood? It's primarily plywood. Okay. Okay. And so it's like a chipboard or it's like a uh, yeah it, okay. or it's mm-hmm. plywood. Okay. Cool. So that's your sheathing. Okay. And then you have your cladding. Okay. And your cladding would be either brick or wood siding or vinyl siding or, you know, whatever they're going to put on stucco. Mm-hmm. Um, and so anyway, so, so those are your three different things. You know, the energy efficiency part happens on your sheathing level. Okay. Mm-hmm. It happens on the, you know, how you seal up the house. Okay. And keep water out the, you know, so that's how tight you're putting together the plywood. Partly, but I mean, if you're just, no, I I guess I'm confused. Like how, why is that the part? Like what, what about it? Like what can make it have flaws versus what can make it work? I'm going to stay with this question because you're kind of chasing down another, another Avenue, I think. Um, because you're, you're sheathing. Okay. And, and, and your is your, your area where you stop the air infiltration and water infiltration end of story right mm-hmm. and so then your the, the material you're clad in your outside which is what he's talking about is a separate thing he's he's bringing up the idea of vinyl siding and aluminum flashing well that's that's you've already you've already accomplished the build science piece conceivably when at the you sheathing. at the sheathing okay i guess that's why i'm asking the follow-up about what can cause problems in the sheathing because it sounds like something in the build science piece isn't working out here so i'm hopefully giving another troubleshooting thing no i think i think you're confusing okay, okay. The, the the what the purpose of because he's asking about what wood quality you use and and what to do I, I, I know too many um you know high-end builders up in new england building on uh, uh, in Long Island and everything, and they're using wood cladding. Okay, and so the the woods that are going to be, uh, you know, long performing exterior woods are things like Akoya, Caboni, um, which are engineered woods. Okay, those are engineered pines. Uh, Sapili, I know that they use uh, mahogany, and I know they use red, uh, redwood, and so they are using premium quality uh, hard and soft woods that are long lasting as their exterior trim elements okay now what this guy may be uh what i would encourage him to do is is fight for those better quality products that aren't vinyl and aren't aluminum because what that's going to allow you to do is you know 
custom make profiles, custom make moldings and trim details so that they're more historically authentic and more historically accurate and and look better. But that's what the you know the high end guys do. They do not. They would never put vinyl on the outside of a building. Um, they would use wood. But knowing that the, that everybody wants longevity, they would build it in a way so that it, so that it performs well and, and looks great. Right. That's the problem with a lot of these vinyls and PVCs. Like when I did that PVC video um, about that window, I was like, can I, I did some research. Can I even find these profiles in PVC? It's mostly just basic kind of bland profiles. Mm -hmm. And you're, I don't know if they can custom mill PVC, I'm sure, but what, I don't know what all goes into that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm consulting with these people all around the country, and those they're they're building with these builders. And I'll say, well, send me the moldings that you're planning on using. Send me your molding catalog. Send me your you know, send me an ASEC catalog. Send me you know, because they're trying to trim out a column. So my builder's only going to build the column, the exterior column out of ASEC. Okay, well, let me see the profiles that ASEC has, and they're they're crap. They're terrible, and so they're you can't build with them. Azek is a PVC manufacturer. Yeah, and, and That's so, helpful. yeah, sorry. Um, you know, they're just not, they're not as good as they could be. They're not as beautiful as they could be. And so you end up with junky looking things. Mm -hmm. Exactly Richard's point. You know, the vinyl's the same way. And, you know, they just don't, Hardy's the same way. You know, all of these manufactured, new manufactured PVC concrete, you know, materials don't have good profiles. All right. I think we answered that one. Just try to, kind of fight for it you yeah know? you fight for it amen next question from tyler romaguera what is a good price per square foot for new construction trim packages ranging from track homes to nicer custom quote mcmansions 60 per 60 cents per foot a dollar 20 per foot more what can a new carpenter who runs his own business expect to make per foot also when a builder says this is what we pay how much wiggle room is there for negotiation or if the price isn't right, do you just keep on down the road? So, you know, I think people would expect me to know this answer as a trim contractor, <laughs> but I don't like, I never really did new construction trim packages for the builder. What I did was I would go in and do something that's unique. I remember like when I even started on YouTube, I would do my, my projects mm -hmm. and then paint and people were like, what in the world you're, you're painting this because yeah. my little niche was always, uh, you know, Hey, you just had your house built What the builder didn't do. We'll come in and do what I call aftermarket upgrades. You mm -hmm. know, you want that coffered ceiling. Now we could do it for a better price, right. you know, you, cause the builders, they've got you kind of in the palm of their hand mm -hmm. and they can really gouge you. And yeah. that's, that's not me saying that that's dozens of homeowners telling me that mm -hmm. they said, man, this is like, less than half of what the builder was going to charge me. Yeah. And I mean, it's still profitable for me. So I, you know, all that to say, I never really did new construction trim packages, but what I will say is, um, moldings are like a buck 20 a foot for like a finger joint kind of basic profile. So you would just need to add on like your labor cost to that. If, if you're providing the material, mm -hmm. that's all I did. I just went in and said, Hey, you know, we're going to run this room of crowns, 40 linear foot. I can get the crown for a buck 20 and then I figure out what, how long it's going to take. And then I just say, all right, $6 a foot for us mm -hmm. to turn this room around. Right. So I, I think it depends on market too, where you are, you know, you're going to have 
people paying more and you know higher end markets you know uh more populated markets totally. versus you know just some rural areas but it's it's hard to answer because it's i don't want to say the wrong thing and then someone's well you but know. I, I mean i would i would flip the tables on this this thing and it is you do not want to get into a conversation about price okay mm -hmm. you do not want to be well i'll do it for 122 a foot i'll do it for 121 <laughs> a foot right you don't want to do come that come on down right you you want to have the conversation of well you know what are you trying to accomplish? You know, you know, how long do you want it to last? You know, what do you, what do you want it to look like? Um, and my advice to this person would be say, look, for a year or two of your life, okay, you should chase after those builders and just fight that battle and learn how to do it as fast as possible, as good as possible. So, so play the game for one or two years. Yes. And then once you've established the skill, like use those as training grounds, yes. establish your skills. And then once you've got the skills and you've got the ability to do it, then it's time to start Gary saying, Katz was talking about quality. that yeah. and they were talking about him on apartments. And I just love the genius of him learning how to trim on apartments. Mm -hmm. And the reason he became a great teacher is because he taught his you know, people so, yeah. under them how to do it. And they had a specific way of doing it. That's the skill set you want to learn when you're working for those guys. Mm -hmm. But hopefully if you're following our stuff and you're, you know, you're doing the Tuesday drops and looking at those catalogs I'm putting out there, you understand that there's a range of different, um, I mean, here's would be a better conversation for this trim carpenter to have. If he, if he could go to the builder and say, look, it looks like you're trying to build a colonial revival house. Okay, the typical colonial revival house would have da 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 da, and all of a sudden he has changed that conversation yep. to being the expert. Okay, and now that builder's looking at him, going, "How'd that guy even know that?" <laughs> and I don't yeah. know what the trim package for a colonial revival house is supposed to be. And and yeah, I mean, God, we can we can really do that. I, yeah, and all of a sudden you have changed your your you know conversation from being I'll do it for a dollar twenty <laughs> to. Here's what you need to do. Yeah. Here's what this should look yeah. like. Here's mm -hmm. here's how way to do it. And so, you know, look, I, I I think you should play that game and 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 get really good at your craft. Right? There's some of the ten thousand hours, but mm -hmm. you also should be learning uh, because the arts and crafts style is really really popular right now. Wouldn't it be great if you go? Well, this is kind of a neo you know craftsman house. Would you like to have a craftsman package in there? And are you doing a stain grade or paint grade? And all of a sudden you're asking questions and no one else is asking and you've separated yourself from everybody else who just is going to show up and put it in. Mm -hmm. Now, there will be builders who won't want that and that's fine, but you should be weeding out the builders that you want to work with anyway. And so anyway, that would be my recommendation. Yeah, a lot of questions that I've heard uh, people ask is, how do I get to that next echelon of builders? Like right now I'm working with a quality of builder that's not this and how do I get to that next level? And I think that's the answer, right? Is to sit down, take a day of work where you are walking through, all right, I want to do a colonial package and, and then think through how much that's going to cost you and have an idea of a colonial craftsman. I mean, take the most popular art, I mean, uh, architecture styles, that you're seeing because presumably you working in the in the job you're seeing a lot of different styles come by and create a package out for those ha be ready um come ready to answer questions and then uh be able to present that to someone so but then outside of that the the short answer to the question and the answer to your immediate question is uh 
cost of materials plus labor, figure out what that cost of material is, and then mm-hmm. add labor to that. Chase that down for a couple of years, get as many of those jobs as you can under your belt, and then start to figure out what your packages look like. And well, I don't know if you're you're necessarily sitting down to figure out packages. You're you're you should be sitting down to figure out architecture, right? There you the go. first book that we got in North Bennett Street was the Virginia McAllister's Field Guide to American Houses. <laughs> um and it's still a work that I go back to and and I just I didn't know, okay, and I have a better understanding now, but I didn't know what a, you know, uh, a second empire building was. I didn't know what an Italianate building was. I, I don't know what an Italianate. Right? <laughs> so, right? And, and so you are, you're like, oh, okay, well, and so you got to figure these things out. And so that time, I don't think you're necessarily figuring out what a uh, Colonial Revival package is because you probably don't even know what Colonial Revival is. Right? So first figure out what you mean. Yes. And then figure out what you cost. <laughs> because what, <laughs> how you you price wanted, what you mean. What you want to do is you don't know how to necessarily go in with that builder, although you can. You don't want to go into that builder and say, my Colonial Revival package costs this. Hmm. You just want to go and say, this house is trying to be Colonial Revival. Would you like to take it there? Mm-hmm. Right? And so all of a sudden you become the designer because I'm telling you, 99% of builders out there have no idea what they're building, what's going on. All right, so I'm a builder. I know nothing about what's going on. You just came to me, and you've showed me a great package, but you're using words that I don't understand what's going on. So I would probably respond with something like, all right, well, show me what that package would look like. So what would you do then? Yeah, I would be surprised if he asked that, but I think that's... that's, that's, uh, that's well, I think it'd be pretty fair for him to go oh show me put a few samples together and we'll see yeah no no i i suspect that's right and and you don't want that guy to yank your chain right and just kind of give him a bunch of ideas be too expensive then he goes to his cheap guy and goes yeah just do that (laughs) right and so you know you're what you were describing earlier was you know working through builders how do you get better quality builders Uh you're going to find that builder that's going to you're going to click with and he's going to go like because the dilemma the builder has, especially if he's a custom builder, is, Tell me about it. is originality, okay? And, 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 and his thing is he's, he is competing and bidding against, you know, three other builders, and they're all, tra- they're all trying to put in the house out there at seven, 750000 and how do I get distinctive from him versus him versus him versus him? So they throw a bunch of crazy stone on the house. They put a turret on the house. They're, doing, they're throwing all kinds of crap out there trying to get the house to be different so they can attract new customers. Mm-hmm. And so if you come in as the, as the trim carpenter and say, look, um, all of a sudden you give him fresh ideas and you can say, and he says, well, I was thinking about a built-up crown. Well, what kind of built-up crown? If we could do it this way, this way, and all of a sudden he sees an opportunity to make himself d- distinct from everybody else and he's going to attach to you. Yeah, so yeah. you're right. There is totally the builder that's going to go, uh, well, show me what that looks like. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, okay. And then get some cheap guy to do it. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, when you truly explain the cost to him of what that really is, yeah, yeah, no, we don't want to do that. No one's going to pay for that. There's Those guys are out there for sure, mm-hmm. okay? That's the vast majority, I yeah, feel like. Yeah, but you're trying to find the guys who care and, you know, who understand, and, and that's where you're going. All right, but, but I'm trying to put bread on the table. I think, you know, in that instance, what do you do? Yeah, no, I think... You I, put bread on the table, yeah. yeah. I think, you got to. Yeah, and that's totally. why... I, yeah. Well, because I, I... But I mean, while I, you're putting that bread on the table, 
you're, on your lunch break, maybe you're reading a book because what you're trying to do is basically make yourself more valuable. Yeah. If you would have came to me 10 years ago, I wouldn't have been ready to, yeah. to do these kind of jobs. Right. You know? And I still have a lot to learn. But, um, you know, they say there's a prepared like time and place for a prepared person. Yeah. Like if you, you can't go talk to the builder about all these styles when you don't know. And mm-hmm. hopefully, you know, watching these, these video, these podcasts, the education you're getting here, you know, education outside of this is going to make you more valuable. Mm-hmm. Then you're going to be like, man, I have all this information. I want to use it, mm-hmm. you know? So like if I would have came to you and you were like, Hey, you know, install this in tablature and like, and, and what is it? And <laughs> tablet, what you call me? <laughs> yeah. You got to like kind of know. And, and, you know, we also have a long way to go, but mm-hmm. just start, the journey to make that pivot, do what you got to do now. It's exactly what I did. And then just, you know, you'll, you'll have an opportunity. Justin ask, I'm still having a hard time wrapping my head around how to change my pork chop in into a filet mignon, <laughs> especially when using vinyl siding and vinyl soffit and a two by six fascia. Do I need to learn how to bend shapes with the bender or would it involve shifting from aluminum fascias to wood exterior trim pieces? Brent already answered this one. I think you know the answer. It does not involve bending vinyl. <laughs> was that you? Yeah. <laughs> okay. That was Brent. So you want to speak any more on that? So you got the pork chop in return and he wants to turn it into a filet mignon. So I mean, look, it, it sounds like he's a craftsman who is trying to educate himself, who's who's watching the videos going, oh, yeah, that, that probably, we probably could do that better. I wonder what I should... And I would say he needs to graduate to that next level of, you know, you know, building that proper gable end return instead of doing the pork chop end, do a proper gable end return. How does that work? Um, well, it has to be the right house, uh, probably building one in his garage mm-hmm. um, and testing it and trying it out a few different ways. It probably involves him, you know, uh, talking to some of the builders about, hey, it's gonna, we need to do it this way, and finding someone who who buys in and, and appreciates it, and then you know, elevating his game to get up there. But you can't do that with final, mm-hmm. like we were talking about earlier. Mm. But, uh, I lo- but I love these one too. Yeah. Well, well, you probably saw it on one of your videos or something where you're talking about the gable in return and. It sparked something in him. Like, yeah. oh, wow, there's an opportunity to do something. There's also been a bunch of posts about, uh, yeah, I know what this is because of our Discord, because uh, someone was showing off a, mm-hmm. a pork chop and they were like, well, it should be a gable end return. And uh, well, and I'm, I'm a little curious, like, if I'm this guy and I just asked this question, I don't know if I've gotten, like, the answer I'm looking for. Cause it's, it sounded like the question was, how do I do this? Um, do I do vinyl How or to change my pork chop into a filet mignon using vinyl siding, vinyl soft. Oh, using vinyl. Okay. He's, he, that's what it seems like he's using. So the answer is you can't right to this question. The answer is I you mean, can't you probably could vinyl? put something together, but I think the answer is you shouldn't. Okay. Right. Cause you want it to be there. Cause right I don't house. know. I'm trying to, I hope we're answering this question the best I, way possible. Yeah, so like no. if the answer is no, you can't use vinyl, you need to use a proper, thing and then the answer is you go look it up on google or i mean we're the so you have the a master you here, have a so client come to you and ask you this what do you tell them like let's do it in wood that would be your thing right yeah exactly okay exactly and that's kind of what you said here so um, hopefully yeah, yeah. I, I 
I don't, I'm not trying to not answer his question, but it, but I'm also, you know, we talked about it earlier. There is a whole, you know, slate of products on our jobs, vinyl, plastic, concrete, uh, you know, all the different things mm-hmm. that have been put together by manufacturers to be faster and quicker to put up. Okay. And sometimes longer lasting. Okay. Or supposedly longer lasting. Um, they, uh, those products have not been, you know, vetted by architects and anybody else. They've been vetted by manufacturers to make things faster and cheaper, mm-hmm. um, to put together They're snap in place products. And so he's saying, well, I want to do it the right way, but I want to use these products that have been developed mm. and oriented to be fast and quick. Yeah. And I'm like, you know, where you can't really do that because mm-hmm. those, yeah. those were never developed to be the, like the, that, the, like that. Yeah, yeah. They, they were developed to be fast and quick. Mm-hmm. And so, um, right. And yeah. So, I, no, that's I, a great, I think that's a, better, that's a great answer. answer. If you're cooking, right. And you, and you have, you know, there's a cooking analogy. Help me out here. Cooking there's analogy. a brisket that takes, 15 hours and then <laughs> yeah. there's a, a sausage in the microwave. Well, also there's <laughs> a, there, right, it's something like that. There's, right? a, yeah. here's a cooking analogy. So there's, there's, always a there's an account analogy. I follow on TikTok that, uh, this guy goes, is it worth it to make it yourself? So he goes to the store and he buys the one, most recent one I saw is he bought store-bought tortillas. So like whatever in the three forty nine a bag. And then he goes, is it worth it to make a tortilla on your own? So he buys the raw materials, works it out, makes the dough and everything. And he, heats up the tortillas that he bought from the store and he has his freshly cooked tortillas, takes a bite out of one and it's like, that's eh, pretty good. I mean, it's a normal tortilla. He takes a bite out of the other one and like, all right, that one's way better. And so it's yeah. that idea, right? Right, it's, yeah. it's that idea. Yeah. yeah. Yep, exactly. Thank so, you. Good job. Yeah, you, yeah. Round, you figured that out. But so, <laughs> so the, the answer to the question ultimately is, hey, try and do it in wood. Don't do it in vinyl. And I guess I, I think what the, the problem with me right now is I have a fundamental misunderstanding of the word Vinyl. What does that mean? Vinyl is like a, a form of plastic. Okay. Yeah. Like, um, but like it's made v- to look like wood or what's the, why? Yeah. You have vinyl siding, okay. there's vinyl trim. Um, yeah. It's just like an imposter wood product. Okay. Yeah. They, uh, if you look at the, the history of, of kind of the, the wood sidings replacements, it was first aluminum and, and metal siding mm-hmm. that were replacing wood. That There's a great movie called the Tin Men about uh, these salesmen who are selling metal siding. Um, and uh, and then vinyl came in, and then concrete came in. Mm-hmm. And so vinyl's probably from the 60s or 70s. Metal siding's probably 50s, 60s. Vinyl's probably 70s, 80s. Mm-hmm. Uh, concrete's probably 80s, 90s, mm-hmm. right? I don't know. And so, and so the other problem with all that is... Though you're you're talking about what's stood the test of time, we have years and years and years and years and years of brick and wood, but now we've got maybe fifty years worth of yeah, metal. Yeah, yeah. And so uh, I was saying that you're saying what's vinyl? It was one of the other wood replacement products that has has been developed over the last fifty years, and there are new ones every twenty years. I guess was my point mm-hmm. that you know come along and there's the new wonder siding replace, yeah. and and you know. Why don't we just do it in wood if we know how to put wood up? Mm-hmm. You know, it's just because it costs more. The other day, I uh, I went to home. Sometimes Hardy's expensive. Mm. The other day, I went to Home Depot. Um, I'm surprised I didn't see you there. But I um, know, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I home went away there. From home. And um, I went to go grab like a two by four or something, and <laughs> I went. I just went walked through the molding section on my way there, and 
they had i looked at the pvc section and i was like it, it looked like real wood i was like whoa this is a really cool new product and i started like digging i'm like this this actually looks like wood like yeah. how'd they do this and then um i like picked it up and like looked at the end of it and i was like oh they put it in the wrong section it, it was wood i was like <laughs> i was like this is actually something i would use this is so cool looking but it was wrong that's a funny story yeah all right next next one from md Wasilka. and sorry if i butcher your name my question has Tune to do with this week's podcast. If you have clients who want a feature that wouldn't ultimately prove architecturally wise for their home's look, how have you steered them away from that tactfully? No, you idiot. <laughs> no, <laughs> you don't put vinyl on a historic house. <laughs> Which is true. I mean, you, you, usually... That's how you do it with your clients, right? Usually I uh, Scold will them. steer them to the historic precedent and if they just are adamant, um, then it's their house. I do what I do what they want. But they, uh, um, so but I, here we go. Here we go. Let's play it out. I'm a client. I'm your client. All right. Hey, Brent. Um, you know, I saw this Instagram video, and uh, <laughs> there's this really cool feature I want to put on my house. Insert bad so thing here. I vinyl. I would say I want to put vinyl in my house. I'd say, well, here's the conversation we've been having about your house. Okay, yeah. we're trying to do a Tudor Revival house, making up the style. This is great. No, we're, Dude, we're making up all of this right now. Tudor, Tudor Revival style house, yeah. which means that it's going to be defined by these materials. Okay, mm -hmm. the 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 ones that are going to be most recognizable are the the stone, the pitch of the roof, the slate, all these you know different things that are going to characterize mm -hmm. and help narrate and create a story that that is believable. So you know, introducing X product vinyl in, siding in your house gonna look great. is, is going to be a disconnect. And so it's going to be, it's going to cause you to kind of go, wait, I was, I was, I was in an English countryside and now all of a sudden I'm in Plano, <laughs> Texas. Right. And so what happened? Where did I go? Mm. And so that's probably why I wouldn't use that product. But I'm still having a hard time because the Instagram video that I watched, <laughs> it said that vinyl siding is a must have on all Tudor revival homes. <laughs> I, I would probably look at you incredulously like you're kidding right <laughs> like you so, just did okay yeah and so it's it'd be just be like no that's not true and so mm -hmm. unfollow it, that yeah, guy yeah <laughs> <laughs> exactly maybe you shouldn't be watching tiktok um show me the video uh yeah that's great so you, it's just a conversation about yeah. education it, yeah. you're trying to create this look and, this doesn't and, fit with that and look it, you said it earlier we are constantly educating our clients constant constant clients i mean and so i had a client build a pool on the back of a house that was you know this great i'm not going to say it, style great style house that we did everything so authentically and then they put this pool that looked like it was from disneyland with this built-in slide and a rock wall and you're just like oh it was terrible so much so that i can't even take pictures of the back of their house because the pool's so bad so you know, but it's their house, right? So work. that's what they wanted. Eh, great. You, you think Austin get could angle it where it's like... And so <laughs> I tried to, uh, you know, say to them when I saw the design, because they kept me out of that, right? They didn't want me part of that, that design process. And I said, oh, hey, no I way. saw the pool. Uh, is that anything you guys want to talk about? And, and he said, nope, we're pretty good. And I said, okay. That was their house. Yes, no, sir. no, no. We don't want to talk to you about the pool. 
<laughs> so it's like a kid hiding there. Do you want to talk about your grades? No, man. okay. Because <laughs> I saw what was on that design. <laughs> I saw what was on your blueprint, young man. <laughs> no, that's. But it's the teacher's really hard. Um, You're like about to walk past the blueprint. Hey, let's come this way. Roll it up really fast. Nah. All right. So just tell them they're idiot. And no, I'm just kidding. Just, You're dumb. You it, don't know as much. It's part of the anymore. fight. You know, it's part of this education processal procedural thing where you are trying to educate and bring your client around. In, in my mind, it kind of brings up a bigger issue uh, that or a bigger potential issue is if, if you're sitting here and you're like, well, I don't want to talk to my client about that. It's like, do you have the relationship with your client to be able to have that frank no conversation with them? Because if you don't, you know, it, it, you know, maybe you should be a little more upfront with them, a little more open with them of, Hey, this is what we've got going on. This is what we want to accomplish here. Yeah. You know? Yeah, totally. And, and, and you have to win that role, okay, to be in that position with that client. You have to have the expertise and the knowledge to to reassure them that, you know, there's someone, they're a vo your voice they can trust. And so, you know, sometimes it's only in the realm of trim, right? And mm -hmm. so you have to earn the respect for the whole thing so that you can talk to them and you become a trusted advisor. But it read takes Read some books. Got to read some books. Okay, so next question is from Mike Coville. Uh, I don't really understand this one, but I hope Brent can enlighten us. I've never been able to figure out the detail at the top of a porch column supporting the architrave. It looks like the architrave slash beam is supported by its drip edge. I can send a scan of a typical detail I have seen, but I think not here. And then you put a email where he could send it. Did he ever send it? Yeah. Okay. So what he's talking about is is that you know, the porch beam that comes around, there's a little, uh, sometimes they actually build down that architrave so that, you know, it goes back up about a quarter of an inch on the underside of the beam. You know what I'm talking about? So, here's so you got your beam across the porch edge and you're saying the, the column will no, go up into no, it or come what, down from Kind it. of. If this is your porch beam, I want to look at it in section like this, right? And your column's coming in here and your, your porch beam's running there. Okay. Sometimes right down here on that front corner, on the edge? front edge and the back edge, it'll come down about a quarter of an inch or even half so of it'll an go inch into the beam a little bit. Well, and so that's why he's asking that is because do you then notch the column around the beam where Should that little, little thing? And I said, no, what what we do is we build we make this that little indent right here. We make that into a panel. And so. We'll, we'll stop on the underside here and underside here of the column so that it creates a little panel underneath there, underneath the bottom. And so if you have like two columns here, we might do three panels underneath on the underside of that beam. And the panels will be connected to each other, just continuous story. Oh, makes so sense. you're kind of using the underside of the beam as a feature? Yeah. Like That's smart. Using the and so Because otherwise what he's saying is, is then when those little fins go down and, and stand on the column and then there's a gap, Sometimes we'll, you know, it looks weak, okay? It doesn't look like the beam's strong enough to be held up by these two little three-quarter inch boots to go down. Mm. And so... That panel helps oh, I got add you. the strength. The panel looks like it's now built out mm -hmm. and it builds strength. But the other thing is, is that you also, if you've got a wood column, you need to have it breathing. So we are, you know, sometimes we'll create air gaps in the back side of the beam so that 
it can move air through there, especially if you have a wood column. What does it mean to be breathing? Just side note. So the wood, if you were using wood columns, most people don't, so that doesn't matter. But the, But the wood columns will have uh, rotted out in the past because they uh, water would get in and it didn't oh, have, they don't a, have any air. Okay. it yeah. couldn't dry out. And so the base of the column would rot because they weren't breathing. Mm-hmm. And so there's supposed to be an air travel that goes from the top of the column down through the column that creates airflow. Mm-hmm. And if you were going to use a real wood column and you want that airflow, you need to allow for a place to it escape at the mm-hmm. top. And so, yeah, I saw cool. that on one of your jobs, the column had like a little weep hole at the yeah. bottom. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's cool. And final question for this episode is what kind of, or what different kind of homes has Brent lived in throughout his life as a craftsman? Does he have plans to build a newer home for himself with all of his knowledge he has attained over the years? So that one's directly for you, Brent. What kind of houses have you lived in? So my first house was cardboard a cardboard box. Uh, <laughs> I lived in a cardboard <laughs> box in the middle of the streets. And then I was living in a room. <laughs> um, that's a Monty Python reference, by the way. And an SNL one. So um, so two references for you to go check out on yeah. YouTube. Um, Eating government cheese. <laughs> <laughs> First house, 1930s bungalow. Okay. There was three houses built by a speculative builder. Our house was was uh, had been upgraded by the homeowner, had stone columns on the front, stone balustrade, maple floors in the kitchen. Typically, you only have pine floors. So there's a few like upgrades. We actually had the original plans for the house. It was an older 1930s. That's where you were born. I remember. Uh, you don't remember. <laughs> Clark Street. <laughs> it was on Clark. And, uh, in your face. That was, that was our first house. Then we lived in a period revival Mediterranean house. Uh, for about five years, um, fixed that up. It was a great house, and then that was in the nineteen, you know, period revival neighborhood. That was a very nice house. Then, if you you know followed that video, that YouTube video that was about me and my life, you know, that we had to sell that, and then we moved into a colonial revival house uh, that was built in the forties, and then we've now live in a house built in the sixties. So. Um, I would blasphemy. Love, you just been upgrading. I've been, yeah, I've 20s, been living in each 40s. generation <laughs> yeah. of houses. Um, I would we we looked recently at a house that was built in the twenties. Um, yeah, well, they did, and uh, well, 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 actually a concrete house actually. And so, um, but we decided we didn't want to do that. Look, I'm 57. <laughs> you know, I I'm I don't sure I have the energy or the money to do that. Um, I get to live vicariously through my clients and, um, you know, we build freaking believable projects doing unbelievable things and, uh, I don't have to upkeep them, (laughs) (laughs) you know, so it's, it's, it's kind of, you know, that ranch project we're on right now is, is a timber frame barn. It's, it's, it's a log cabin. I mean, it's everything. It's the dream house. Mm -hmm. And so it's freaking, yeah, you're doing all the trim out there. Yeah. I mean, Right, that it's, freaking house is unbelievable. It's beautiful. And yeah. So it's like uh, I don't feel like the the need or with the withdrawal that <laughs> gosh, I really have to live in something architecturally pure. Yeah, we get to do it all the time, and so it allows me to travel more, spend more on travel and things like that. So the other, I mean, you you also got to build what I would have said was 
maybe not your dream home, but a dream home for your dad. Yeah, that's mom, true. Which is cool. <clears throat> that's true. I did. We did a really great English house for my dad. Um, and I feel like it was kind of carte blanche, like it was build it the bit. way you would want to build it. It was a little bit that way. I guess your dad kind of came to you and said, "Build it right," and then you did. Yeah, yeah, that's true, and that was a lot of fun. Um, we went over budget. <laughs> that wasn't fun. <laughs> Where <laughs> but, is uh, this at? It, it's here in Fort Worth. Oh, nice. Yeah, it's it a fun, was, probably a fun conversation to have with your dad. Yeah, no, that's like that is actually <laughs> a very fun thing. So since you're, I'll just you know add a little something to the end of this. But since, since it sounds like you're not planning to build your own house, if you were, what style of architecture would you build? That's a great addendum to that. Because <laughs> um, that person just asked that question and was like. Oh, so he's not going to answer. <laughs> <laughs> um, one of my favorite styles is Greek Revival. Um, but if you had uh, the American Greek Revival house is iconic in my mind because it can be austere and modern and, uh, and, and contemporary, but also be historic. And so I, but that piece of property in my mind has to be built on the right piece of property. So you would need probably five or six acres with land around it and Gardens. everything else. Yeah. And so um, a Greek revival, if I had the right property, would be one. If I was doing an infill in like the city, I would probably do something in the craftsman bungalow, you know, mm -hmm. style. Um one, I think I could nail it. Um, <laughs> I really do. And so uh, we get the all the details right um, and really do it handsomely and mm -hmm. really do it in a wonderful way uh, with great windows and everything else. Uh, and so those, are, those would probably be the two styles I would, I would build. Hmm. Yeah. Man, I would love if there was like an architectural guild that uh, just – had the money to go hire a bunch of architects to build houses in the way that they're supposed to be built. Like, you know, they get There's the guys to that we've had. I've had people say that and a lot of people ask that it'd be really cool. There are some historic plan services people out there. Yeah. Um, but I, I agree there. That's a good idea. Because it would also just like, people are so visual nowadays, like the YouTube video, the YouTube house tour of those, would be amazing. Like, you know, I want to build a house. Oh, go check out the architectural guilds video on yeah, whatever. Yeah. You and Dan need to work on something. <laughs> yeah, get that going. Yeah, get yeah. that going. All right. Sweet. Well, uh, yeah, I guess we're short on time. Uh, we want to do all these questions justice. So if your question was not answered, we are going to do a part two of this video as we decided during this video, which is really exciting. But um, yeah, we're... we're Gonna keep on answer asking, or sorry, we're gonna keep on <laughs> answering questions. But we also hope that you would keep asking questions as well. Um, again, there's a place to do that in our Discord. Um, just questions for the podcast, and then there's also a place to do that for our Patreon as well. So uh, ask away. Um, more questions, the better. Thanks for watching. <laughs>